The past, the present, the future. This is Friday Night Fright. What the planet is listening to. Hello and welcome to Season 4 of Friday Night Fright. Season 4, Season 4. 4 comes after 3 and 2 and 1. 1 and 3 make 4. 2 and 3 make 5. This is not Season 5, this is Season 4. Best season yet. Season where everything changes. Everything changes. You know, it's all going to change. All going to change. This is season four. Season four. Season four of Friday Night Fright. And then, later, forever, question mark. Season four, y'all. Hi, so this is Ian Austin. Um, and this is in... Third epi- third intro to the episode. So originally this episode went up on Spotify only because I wanted to try their new thing. But I realised I don't have any fucking listeners on Spotify so no one listened to the episode. So it's Saturday and I'm rebooting the episode up for everyone on all the other avenues for podcasting which people listen to. So worth warning, no one listens to podcasts on Spotify. So... Why bother putting music in your things? There's no point. So, normal practice shows interesting experiment, didn't work. Let's go back to the old format. And now, time for my other introductions, prologues, I guess. So, you'll hear me in a sec, but you'll hear me from the past. Hey guys, uh, so you'll notice now if you're looking at Younger Listing, there's two introductions this episode. This is the one recorded after I got halfway through theme recording the episode, because this episode is terrible. It's really, really bad, I'm sorry about that. The idea was sound, but I don't know, it's just a combination of creative frustration and creative fulfillment at the same time, because I finally released this goddamn movie. But in releasing it, I've basically nipped up my creativity, and I got nothing. So this episode is just a half-formed mess. Um, I'm recording this after I got to the number four on my list of ten terrible movies, and that idea just went straight in the shitter. So this is, with the bank of hindsight, this episode's a really bad idea. I don't know how the episode's going to end, so we'll have, both have to join that, I guess. Um, both. Everyone who listens to this episode will have to join it. Um, I'll figure out something, but so far I've got about, including this, about 25 minutes in, and oh dear God, guys, I'm sorry. It, they can't all be wingers. Sometimes they're really not even slightly winging, but it's been, I'm recording this on Tuesday. It's been a really fucking strange day, and just, you know, yeah. So... I don't know what to suggest, really. This episode will have a bit more content, but honestly, if I get above 30 minutes, I'll be fucking stunned. Um, I have plugged the movie again by Batchung. It's in the link. Um, yeah, watch it. It's it's fun, and be honest, it's better than this episode, and I know it's probably not saying much, but it's true. Uh, yeah, so anyway, back to pass the end to introduce the episode and not realise how shit it's actually going to be. Hey, you sexy B-boys and sexy B-ladies. 
and see ladies and D-boys and all that. It's your boy, Ian Austin, with another episode of Friday Night Fright. But this week's going to be different. We're not doing Emily in Paris this week because I don't want to do it. We're not doing Island of Death this week because I don't want to do... I want to review it, I want to recap it, but I don't want to recap this week. No, but this week we're recapping the worst Marvel movies your boy's ever seen. And boy, I've dove down the deep, dark hole of cinematic excrement. I've seen some bad movies over the year and I've had enough of all these worst movie ever polls and all this nonsense. We're going for the real nearly grilly this week. We're going to spend a few minutes on a bunch of crap movies and a bunch of movies which aren't crap but are disgusting and vile and we're going to talk about them and I'm going to talk about them for a bit. We're not going to be a long episode this week because don't want to do a long episode. Next week we'll get back to normal stuff. This week it's the shit of the shift shit and I ain't talking about but about Barbatian, link in this description. No, that's bad, but these movies are either worse or more disgusting. And in some cases, they're worse and more disgusting. But that's going to be today's episode of Friday Night Fright, and I'll be back after a brief word from our sponsor, which is me! Okay, let's start things rolling with one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen, a movie you should never watch and you shouldn't have seen. We're going to start with the Matt Day of them all, Serbian movie. Yes, I've seen a Serbian movie. Uh, I don't know exactly how we found a copy of it. Um, uh, but yes, we watched it years and years ago. Um, and for lack of a better story, oh my God, my eyes are still bleeding. Look, if you don't want to be disgusted, tune out now. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go in full detail on it because no one needs to hear that. I'm just gonna go f- uh, some vagueness of it. Essentially, a Serbian movie is a movie about a guy who's cajoled into starring in a s- pseudo snuff movie. I guess it t- it turns into a snuff movie, but essentially, it's a grotesque moving it's got something to do with the politics in serbia i'm sure i don't know much about serbia and i don't really think hopefully this isn't symbolic of anything happens there but essentially it's a i think it's about a porn actor who's cajoling doing more and more disgusting stuff and suffice to say um tv tropes used to have it all blocked off. I think they've cut the page down substantially. But it used to be you can only find out what happened in the movie if you highlighted text or seen the movie. Unlike most films, the Serbian movie is trying to say something about society and all of that stuff. It's just also really, 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 really vile. Um, is it well shot, well acted? I guess. I don't know the sort of personality of starring this. Obviously, everything is simulated. Mostly, I have to assume really disgusting stuff is stimulated. But essentially, it's a movie about manipulation of people into extreme situations, about, I guess, poverty, about your weird-ass family, because the guy's brother in the movie is a complete arsehole, and about what you'll do to protect your family and actually end up putting them in danger. I can't... Here's the thing, though. You don't really want to go too much in detail movies like certain movie because it's so messed up, but... Yeah, essentially, it's one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen. I've not recommend it. And I actually watched it, and then afterwards, we went to a takeaway place, and I stared at a pack of onion rings for three minutes. Basically, I think it's essential breakdown. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I don't know, it's one of those things whereby you can't even recommend it, really, because no one should watch it. 
But at the same time, like, in terms of technically and everything to try and do, I guess in some ways you'd call it masterpiece, but it's a bit like Clockwork Orange for me. I respect it. I respect the art put into it, but I just don't enjoy movie. This one's probably even more of an extreme sample because they not only don't enjoy movie, I never want to have any interaction with it again, which is why I did podcast um bit about obviously. <laughs> but yeah, it's a hard movie to watch, um, and it's grotesque. So uh not recommended unless you're extremely desensitized and then this will resensitize you so you know what can you do anyway that's the first there's nine more i'm going to be covering on this episode okay so second up is a little movie called megan is missing and yeah this one's just as fucked up in different ways than the certain movie this one's more found footage I guess in some ways it's about people holding cameras and the Bronx movie involves a woman a teenager is kidnapped um and she her friend is essentially um catfished online by this guy and movies basically you, you know the phrase torture porn whereas I I always hate that phrase because I don't think it means what people think it means in terms of the regard for it. I think most people watching stuff like Friday 13th and stuff like that, they enjoy it, but I don't think they're getting off on the murders or kids or anything like that. I just think it's a bit of entertainment. And even stuff like Hostel, Hostel's really not very good at all. But I don't think it's torture porn per se. I think they do go overboard on some of the torture aspects of it, but I think that's just... A reflection of the age people like Eli Roth grew up in, where they watched Friday Funk movies. Maybe they view it that way. I don't. I don't anyway. But Megan's missing. Essentially, has no plot. It's just you know this poor woman, who, teenager, who's looking for a friend and's cajoled by another man. The victimization she goes through, and it's quite grotesque. Um, it's really grotesque, in fact, until the ending. Um, spoilers, uh, you know, fuck it, you shouldn't watch this movie anyway. Spoilers, um, so the woman, not Megan, there's enough a friend, I can't remember what the name is, I haven't watched Megan's Missing Years. The end of the movie basically involves um, the fucking idiocy of someone trying to bury a teenager alive um, and taking 20 minutes to do so. It's one of the worst closing scenes of any movie I've ever seen. And all I remember is it deflates the entire tension for the previous hour and ten minutes of movie because you're watching someone dig a grave badly. And when we watched it, we were all laughing and it was terrible. And that's my resounding image of Megan's Missing, a disgusting, revolting movie for an hour of screen time and for the last 20 minutes, basically a comedy. Um, so yeah, terrible movie in every possible regard. Grotesque and also really badly made. Megan's Missing falls into that really weird bunch of movies in the 2000s which date with like teenagers and victimization and stuff like that and none of them were any good because they were borderline exploitative and the problem is exploitation's okay in some regards you know it can be relatively watchable like Grindhouse Exploitation um, some of the black exploitation movies from the 80s and 70s and stuff like that. But in this case, it's just really creepy and really uncomfortable to watch. So I've never gone back to Megan's Missing. I don't think I ever would again. And it's, yeah, just pretty poor, to be honest. So that's number two.
Next up, we have The Room. And I should add, I've watched The Room probably close to as much as anyone you've ever met. Because we watched it a shitload in Aberystwyth. We kept watching it. We knew people would meet up with us. We'd watch it. And it's just over and over and over again. I've seen it twice in London. I've seen Disaster Artists. I've got a book about Room. I've interacted briefly with Tom Wiseau. as pictured me online with Tom Wiseau impersonator and Greg Terrestrial impersonator play, throwing a football round. I love The Room in a really specific way while at the same time nudging his piece of crap. Okay, so here's my thing about Room. I think whether you think about it, and it's this isn't Relasting version, this is the Tommy Wiseau version, you have to give up Tom Wiseau for not only making movie, but putting up money to make a movie. And okay, it's a piece of crap, and he treated everyone like shit. No one's going to dispute that. But he made the movie he wanted to make, even if he made a mess of a movie. It's very endearing in quality. It's also terrible, but it's heart fun at the same time. There's something fun and bizarre and weird about it. It's very unique and very Tom Wiseau. Now, he hasn't really recaptured any other work because if you've seen Best Friends 1 and 2, I, I really enjoyed Best Friends the first time I watched it. I don't think it holds up. Um, I saw it at Prince Charles Cinema in London. I hope to go there again at some point, but not right now. And I really did enjoy it, but it's not The Room, essentially. But it's very enjoyable. And the thing is, if you go see The Room live with Tom Wiseau, his personality overtakes the entire production. And seeing it some like Prince Charles is a really, really fun experience. And also, the joy of The Room is showing someone who's never seen it before, because you get a mirror of reactions to it. Some of them good, some of them are bad, but everyone has a particular reaction to it. It's very endearing. In regards to Disaster Artists, I think they tried, but unfortunately it took omens from the book. A book with more honest and nuance. The movie is quite... It's almost a highlight reel of the room by people who wish they could be in it and recreating scenes and stuff like that. But even recreations of scenes as accurate as they are cannot properly detail Tom Wiseau's madness. James Franco gives it a good try, but he's, no one is Tom Wiseau. And Tom Wiseau's bizarre line readings in the room are stunning and deserve to be watched by F1 and Sundry. And I really would recommend Room. It's not very good technically. And I'm saying that someone made a movie which isn't very good technically. But The Room, for all its faults, is just f enjoyable to watch. Uncomfortable at moments. The set scenes are particularly uncomfortable. But overall, it's very watchable and fun and interesting. So I'd put above Megan's Missing and Serbian Movie on the enjoyment factor. But I'd say it's far below them on technical factor. Which is fascinating. Anyway, on to number four. Hey, okay, it's time to talk about Green Inferno. I think I've talked about Green Inferno before. I probably have. And I want to quantify it by saying, in terms of what Green Inferno is trying to do in movies, it's aping the Italian cannibal movies of 60s and 70s. Green Inferno is actually relatively watchable. But, and here's the kicker, it's also really, really, really bad on its own merits. It, but I know that's what it's aspiring to. And when I say bad, I mean, I think it's knownly bad to a large extent because he's making parody of those sort of, like I said, Italian cannibal movies with the bad acting, the bad everything. And Eli Roth clearly knows what he's doing. But at the same time, sort of like a bad a homage to bad cannibal movies, it, Italian cannibal movies, is still a bad cannibal movie. Like, you can't make a good cannibal movie because fundamentally they're not good. They're really, really low-grade exploitation but it's hard to criticise Eli Roth too much for that because he knows 
exactly what he's making. And it's also something fascinating about the fact that he got millions and millions of dollars to make this disgusting piece of cinema. You have to give him credit for that. He couldn't have made this for... He couldn't have made this for a cheap amount back in the 1670s, but nowadays you need lots more money. And he got lots more money, and he got one of the Spy Kids to be in it. He got one Daryl Sabara, who's actually in, like, decent budgeted movies, to being a sidekick in a terrible, schlocky horror movie. And Eli Roth has nailed the aesthetic right down. He's just, at the end of the day, you still made a Campbell movie. Um, it's really gross, really disgusting. Not as bad as Serbian movie and um, uh, Megan's Missing, but at the same time, it's quite disgusting. There's lots of creative violence in the movie, lots of weird moments, diarrhea, jerking off, that sort of thing. And it seems like Eli Roth is taking refuge in authority here and audacity. But again, you have to give him credit. He managed to make an Italian-style Campbell movie with American actors in the present day, and I don't know ways who could have done that. Eli Roth has actually had a strange career because he's not a bad director. He knows what he's doing, but his works all seem inspired by other works. It'd be fascinating to try something completely original or even take on one of the franchises. Like, he would be great for something like Friday 13th as, like, a director of multiple installments because he would bring something new to it, but also a relative consistency. But they don't want him involved for some reason. Which is all strange because last year he made a family movie starring Kate... Blanchett and Jack Black. It's like, holy shit, you know, this guy first out. Of course, he also made Death Wish with Bruce Willis, which Bruce Willis tuned out years ago. So I can't imagine. I don't think from what I remember watching, it's very good, but credit to Eli Roth. He tries. Number five, uh, Blade Trinity. Right, now I should quantify, okay? I, I enjoy Blade Trinity. I like it. I think it's a relatively watchable movie. I think Ryan Reynolds is hilarious. I think there's a couple of Wesley Snipe moments by from Blake which are really cool. And there's a lot of stuff I enjoy. I think Patton Oswalt's very funny in it. I like the idea of the Daywalkers team. Okay, now for the parts I don't like, but I want to add, I don't like them, but they're so funny. Like, the opening bit where the FBI's like, yeah, we'll go after Whistler and Blade, and Whistler dies again, which is sort of like, Great, you you you're wasting Chris Christopherson for no reason, and then revealing that he has a daughter, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome, Whistler's daughter, that's quite cool. And then I'm like, wait, no, that wasn't the painting, something different. And I was like, it's, it was never Whistler's daughter. I was like, well, that's a bit shit. They could have done something flat, they didn't. Um, so he waste Chris Christopherson. Wesley Snipes clearly doesn't give a shit. Which, on one hand, is bad. On the other hand, the behind scenes stories are hilarious. Like a story where the actors will out wear their uh, own costumes. So an actor came out wearing a t shirt which said trash. Wesley Snipes thought it was a racist gesture, so he went and beat up David Goya. Um, the idea that David Goya had Trippage be his bodyguard and a bunch of bikers be his bodyguards. The idea that Wesley Snipes and Ryan Reynolds wouldn't interact with Snipes reading like Ryan Reynolds. So a lot of the Bits with Ryan Reynolds flinching away from Wesley Snipes are real. And a lot of the out moments like where Ryan Reynolds saying Jessica Bill, he doesn't like me, does he? And she says, no, that was real too. And the infamous story about Wesley Snipes refusing Dobin's eyes in scenes, they CGI'd his eyes. That stuff is timeless. And Blake Trinity is a mess of moving every possible regard, but it's an enjoyable mess. Um... It can be classified as one of the worst movies just because Blade and Blade 2 set such good precedent. 
in such a good path for Blake Trinity to be good, and instead they gave it to David Goyer. And Dave Goyer, we'll discuss the DC movies in a second, is not a very good director. And to be honest, he's not the best writer, but as we saw with Batman movies, if he works some like Chris Nolan, his work can be funneled in something a bit more interesting. I don't even want to criticise Dave Gore too much, because clearly people like him in Hollywood, and he does the job he's asked to do, and that's fine. And some of his scripts are okay, like his Blade 2 one's actually really, really, really good. It's almost like he needs someone fine-tune his work, and then he'll make something great, but if he's got complete charge of it, his own instincts get better of him. It's a bit like Simon Kingberg with X-Men. Oh, guy could do a marathon episode on the X-Men movies. Um, you know... He needs someone to tailor his work. And that someone shouldn't necessarily be a creepy man like Brian Singer, but should be someone, you know, who can tailor his work in something a bit better than Dark Phoenix. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to get to 10, please. Um, I've terrible movies I've seen. I mean, there's... There's the X-Men ones. Oh, God, the X-Men franchise. I need to do an episode on the X-Men franchise at some point. Okay, um, X-Men 3, we'll start with that. X-Men 3, Last Stand, awful movie in every possible regard. Bad writing, bad acting, bad directing, bad plot, too much plot, too little plot. Somehow, too much plot, too little plot. Wolverine in Hawaiian shirts, Storm giving up the accent, Storm giving bigger role, Halle Berry still giving nothing to work with, Juggernaut making quips was hilarious, but also really bad. Kitty Pride in it for no reason. Bobby, a uh, love triangle between Kitty Pride, Iceman, and Rogue. Rogue getting a mutant cure, which completely fucked up her character arc. Charles dying, Magneto being depowered. People still not using plastic boats on Magneto. Magneto tearing up Golden Gate Bridge and then using it as a bridge and making quick bow bridge. The entire mutant could steer line. Wasting Casey Grammer's beast. Beast acting in his action scenes even. Um, Wolverine again charging at Magneto. Fucking Juggernaut chasing Kitty Bride in a scene which was rapey as fuck. Um, the New Mutants, who did absolutely nothing, Porcupine Boy and um, Tornado Woman. Uh, the idea of mutant levels, just terrible around. Fucking X-Men Wolverine Origins, another terrible movie, which was really enjoyable, but really bad. The CGI Claws, the terrible Deadpool cameo, the waste of a mutant team, the waste of the idea that Wolverine's fighting in every war throughout history of Sabretooth, which was an amazing idea but that Sabretooth doesn't act anything like the other movies, and apparently after he ditches Wolverine, he goes, he becomes feral after 10 years and stops knowing how to speak, as we saw in the original X-Men no Alpha Flight, no Omega Flight no Canadian aspects, Wolverine Wolverine's lover, who is a betrays him who has power of persuasion and manipulation but doesn't use it on him, despite she can use it on him. She goes to live with him and Stryker approve this mission and Sabretooth and Stryker murdering F1 who's on Weapon X for some reason. Um, the idea that Sabretooth is these tiny little kitty claws. Um, it's a terrible movie all round. Wolverine does this scream up in ceiling thing three times. Uh, fucking Wolverine. X-Men Apocalypse, another terrible fucking movie. 
uh, really enjoyable but terrible at the same time wasting Oscar Isaacs wasting those shit I know I reviewed it before but I have to say it again they waste Oscar Isaacs how would you waste Oscar Isaacs literally it's awful the waste of the young mutant storylines the the fact that Charles does not I've been told about Dark Phoenix and the hit future there's nothing to stop her becoming dark phoenix um but in general it's actually kind of entertaining just waste characters like angel and nightcrawler again fucking x-men dark phoenix which is just terrible and they do phoenix storyline for the third time and it's somehow the worst because it's basically is x-men free all over again minus secure storyline but even worse um, fucking I didn't Magneto is giving an island to live on after he fucking destroyed Auschwitz and most of Egypt. Um, the idea that Charles has a fucking phone connecting him to fucking president. The fact that Quicksilver and Magneto still haven't told each other their father and son. It's literally been 20 years at this point and they still haven't done it. What a fucking... Like Quicksilver's in his 40s at this point. What the fuck? It's just awful. A waste of good actors. Just a waste all around. Just ah, oh, so bad, so bad. And that's basically definitely the X Men franchise because Marvel has rights back now, and they can't do any worse. They might not hit highs of the X Men movies, but they definitely will not hit the lows. Uh, well, this is four. I. I mean, I don't even know, this list isn't, it's feared away from, like, worst movies I've ever seen, because when I go down to Wales, which obviously I can't do at the moment, because it's a fucking pandemic, when I go to Wales and visit friends, we watch bad movies by truckload, and to be honest, I can't remember most of them, and there's lots of bad ones, and they, they all blur into one. But we did watch Fatal Deviation, and Fatal Deviation, I should add, is a fucking wonderful experience, but it's an awful movie, and the reason it's so awful is because it's trying, it's trying to be a genuine martial arts movie, and I know it's kind of weird because oftentimes we criticise movies that don't try and they're in on joke, but Fatal Deviation tries and fails, and sometimes that's worse. I mean, it's admirable, but it's still sometimes worse. It's fun though, like it's enjoyable, and it is an influence on the movie I'm doing. Um, next year, hopefully, called Kung Fu Island, um, of sorts. No, Ireland gets Kung Fu movie, Why Can't Wales, and also Aylesbury. No. Uh, yeah, so Fatal Deviation, it's, a, it's an enjoyable movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I like the bizarreness of it. It's like, it's it's earnest, and it doesn't entirely succeed, and they don't really work around their restrictions particularly. What they do have is, the main guy, Jimmy, does know martial arts, there's no martial arts, unfortunately. No one knows really does, so fights and kind of shit. But it, it tries, it tries. And yeah, it's Fatal Deviations, the sort of equivalent movie I'm really talking about here. But at the same time, it's like a lot of bad movies fall from memory quite quickly. So it's hard to really keep up with them, I guess. And it's also hard saying things about some of them, because Fatal Deviation, I... I know people can do full reviews of it. I know RSW's done full, which is fantastic, by the way. I'm glad I saw the movie first before I watched their review, but it's a really good review. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to describe it unless you're recapping it, and I haven't seen it in a while, so I'm not recapping it. But anyway, that's four. Hey, so I'm in this episode here because it's a bit terrible, isn't it? To be honest this week, and I can't really be asked. 
Um, if you're on Spotify off list, you'll hear some music, the Monster Mash, but if you're not, you won't hear anything because this episode is ending. Uh, apologies to anyone suffered through this week's worth of crap and thought it was good. It was really bad, wasn't it? Maybe next week will be a better. Who knows? Maybe it'll be a bit more organised. Well, until then, this is in Austin saying, remember, life is beautiful and sometimes your favourite podcasts disappoint you. Goodbye.